This is the Freestyle Way. Welcome back, my friends, to the Freestyle Way podcast. And in today's episode, we have my friend Gabriel Jao Chico, aka B Boy Wicket, who I can say he changed my life. He he showed me what freestyle means. He showed me through breakdancing what it means to pursue who you are in physicality and how by uh, treating life like a song, like music, you can navigate everything. And he was someone that uh, when I met him, uh, he showed me some basics in terms of movement, but then he showed me what his culture was all about by flying me out to South Korea and inviting me to an event and introducing me to the whole community. And that uh, shaping everything that I do today through freestyle and is really the base of uh, what has become my career. So I uh, can't thank Wicket enough for everything that he's done for me. And in this episode, we uh, get into it. We talk about how he became a professional breakdancer and what he went through from uh, being a kid here in San Francisco to now living in Austin and uh, working and performing on the biggest stages and what he's learned along the way and how you, by simply listening to his stories, can get some insight on how you can do it yourself. And his message at the end is simple, but it is the solution to most of our problems. So make sure to listen in, listen all the way through, and at the end, get that golden nugget that he leaves you with, which is a simple one, but I think is the meaning of life. So enjoy this episode with my friend, B-Boy Wicked. Dude, we had a great conversation we yesterday. Did. It was fun. How do you feel about it? I feel like uh, my questions has been answered. Really? What was your question? Yeah. Um, uh, I was missing something about my plan of attacks, and you helped me understand what the attack is. Dude, I love it. <laughs> do you feel like every time we get together? Um, like we get pretty fired up. Yeah, it, it feels refreshing because uh, what's the difference? The, the the time difference between seeing each other is what every couple months, every few months, depending yep. on our schedules. So every time I see you, it's like okay, let, let's talk about what we talked about and and what can we execute or how can how can we execute? Yeah, what year did we meet? Do you remember? I believe 2006, maybe? It was probably 2006. Um, what was happening at that time in your life? And We met at Acro Sports. I was your manager. You were my manager. <laughs> the fuck? I was like, oh shit, this is my manager. All right. Best behavior. There you go. <laughs> so uh, Acro Sports, I was your manager. Yep. Uh, you were teaching breakdancing there. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching breakdancing and just that was my life at the time was just breakdancing. That's it. And everything revolved around that. But I remember you were traveling at that time as well a little bit. Traveling a, a lot, actually. Um, was competing more during that time. So now it's now it's just mainly judging and teaching workshops because uh, 
Um, because not, you're 40? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, because I'm 40. How does it feel to be 40? feels great, actually. Dude, that's crazy. Uh, um, you know, every every one of my friends who, uh, who turned 40 before me is always depressed and they are just like nervous and unaware of what to do with their life. And I didn't see it that way for me. Yeah, people people struggle with that number with 40. It's like... Uh, they struggled with 30. Like, maybe in the maybe in the b-boy scene that makes sense like if if i think about myself as a gymnast yeah it's over think, when you're when you're 20 yeah it's over <laughs> well, well there are some pretty amazing gymnasts actually that in their mid-30s uh, are doing amazing things there's a uh, a guy named jordan Jorchev. he was competing at the highest level mm-hmm. at the age of 37. I think he was coaching a team and competing at the Olympics at the same time. Hold up, he was 37? 37. What country? Uh, Hungary. <sighs> wow. I believe, uh, if I'm mistaken, uh, people are more than welcome to tweet me. <laughs> <laughs> they must have good coffee over there in Hungary. Seriously, dude. 37, coaching and competing? Coaching and competing. So we met in, in 2006 at Acro Sports and... Do you know what my first memory is of you? Uh, uh, he needs to learn how to fill out his time slot. <laughs> yes, your time cards, man. You were struggling to fill out your Hey, Carl, how do I fill out my time card? I'm like, bro, I don't get this shit. <laughs> it's like school. That was funny. And little did I know that you were a legend in the breaking scene. Uh, in the world of breakdancing. The big L word. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a legend? Um... I don't know. No, because there's so many other legends that came before me that I still look up to. And um, it, 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 I don't see it that way for me. Is a, is a, is a legend technically someone who um, did something very special, but uh, in, the, in the very far past and has passed away? Uh, passed away, but just um, actually, yeah, passed away. Yeah, legend is almost like a mythical thing, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think I'm quite there yet. Well, I'm still around, you know? You're, At you, least I think I'm still around. Dude, you're more relevant than <laughs> ever, and that's actually why I want to talk to you. What does relevant mean? I got a GED. That's right. Uh, let, let's talk about what relevant means. Relevant <laughs> means you're making an impact, a positive one. Yeah, that's definitely me. Yeah, you you are. <laughs> you're incredible, dude. I, I'm inspired by you, and I, I wish people knew... Uh, the extent of the impact that you make in the world yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let people know this that when you in 2009 told me that R16 uh, this event in Korea had invited you and your crew to represent the US in this big event and you asked me to train the crew and to uh, go out to uh, Korea with you guys. We went to Incheon, the we did. city of the future. The city of the future. That was crazy. Do you remember there were like robots and uh, machines all over the city? It was crazy. Right when we came off the plane, it started. It was There was things rolling all over the place. It just looked clean and just futuristic and there was no odors. and It was crazy. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Anyways, that that was a big moment for me. And when we got off the plane and all of a sudden, all the other B-boys were there. The buses were there to pick us up. The Mm -hmm. cars, they took us to that hotel. That was an amazing hotel. Right. I was like, where are we? (laughs) Because I thought I was going out for a dance battle. (laughs) Yeah. First, I I was actually surprised that you agreed to come 
because uh you know that I mean, I could understand going to an event in Daly City or Foster City or something like that, but you came to Korea. <laughs> so. Yeah, I wonder why I said yes. I think I was just really curious. Yeah. I really appreciated breakdancing. My first, so my first um, experience around breakdancing was when I was probably uh, four years old. Four years old. Yeah, maybe even, maybe even younger, were you three. In, were you in Spain? Uh, no, I was here you in the here. U.S. Yes, and my brother John, uh huh, who is now you know a uh, doctor and uh, parent, <laughs> went by the name of Freakazoid. If he hears this, he's gonna kill me. Hold up, you had a brother, your your brother, your older brother John. His nickname was Freakazoid. He went by the name of Freakazoid. He was a he danced. He loved dancing. He even had a white glove like Michael Jackson. No way. Yeah, that was my first experience. And he would do backspins in the kitchen on and on any floor that he could find. That was my first experience. Did you know that? I did not know the little secrets that you keep from me. Yo, B-boy Freakazoid. Freakazoid. That's oh. <laughs> amazing, right? How old was he? Uh, he was probably 10. Okay. Yeah, so 10 years old. If I was 3, 4, he was 10, 11. What year? Was that, do you think? Oh, that was in uh, 18... Uh, 1848? Oh. No, in 1987. Uh, 87, 88. yeah. So, w- was that when uh, breakdancing kind of uh, started? When did breakdancing... It started in the late 70s, technically, right? Yeah, late sev- like 77, 78. Um, and then it got really popular here, uh, early 80s, 82. 283 uh, here in San Francisco here, or in the West Coast? On the West Coast. Um, I could be wrong. I'm not sure. I'm probably pissing off a bunch of people. O- OGs, right? Shout out to all the OGs. My bad. I just, you know. Dude, you need to do your history. Take it out of my paycheck. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so that was, that was my first experience. And then my second experience with uh, breaking was... Uh, they they were coming into the gym where I was doing gymnastics after hours, uh, and these were people who were doing martial arts and starting to practice break dancing. And they were watching tapes of Storm B Boy Storm. Hold up, yes. Where was this? This was in Alicante, Spain. Okay, yeah. So you guys had access early on because you know Storm is from. He's from Germany, and you know those tapes circulate out there, so mm-hmm. you're pretty lucky. So they were practicing flares, they were practicing windmills, they were practicing head spins, and I thought at that time, what was that? I was probably like 13, 14 maybe. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was breakdancing, power moves, the acrobatics. That's what I thought was breakdancing, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And guess what? I, okay, this is a confession. Another one. Another one. See, bro, I thought we was, yeah, I thought we was cool and shit, y'all. <laughs> I went uh, out with some friends, and we would uh, seek out uh, perfect floors. Carl, yeah, dude, this is just like The Bachelor. This is crazy, right? Yeah, all Anyways, these confessions, and we would have um, uh, like pledge 
yeah, the spray. Clean, yeah, the, the spray, the cleaning product. Mm-hmm. And we would pledge the floors to see how many backspins we could do. Really? Dude, and I was I was pretty good at backspins. Carl, there's all these secrets that you've kept from me all these years. You see, you've changed in the last 10 minutes. Okay, do you, do you want to know why it's <laughs> taken me this long to come out? <laughs> <laughs> why? Because when you took me to Korea... You opened my eyes to a whole new world. A whole new world. It was incredible. Wow. It was incredible. So you already had a little idea. I knew what breaking was, or or so I thought. I Mm -hmm. knew there was something that had to do with hip-hop. Yeah. And there was something that had to do with these crazy acrobatic moves that looked like they were stolen from gymnastics. Mm Mm-hmm. They were. Some of them. (laughs) But then when we showed up, and I remember in the hotel, we were, you know, we we, we were rooming up in this this hotel. And and Mm -hmm. when we entered the hotel, there were all these gift bags and stuff like this for you. And uh, I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, you get goodies, whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, yo, we got to go because it's time to practice. And I'm like, practice? Yeah. (laughs) Talking about practice? Yeah. And we went to some conference room in that hotel. In the hotel, right. Where you guys were practicing a routine. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met Kid David. Is that I, the first time you met Kid? Yeah, Kid David. Rocks right was there. Ah. Yeah, everyone was there. I think Natron was there. Miles was there. Monkey. Uh, yeah. Dude, it was crazy. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Iron Monkey. <laughs> you guys Sean, were, we were working together already. Right? I, I knew yeah. them. I knew yeah. Bobby. I knew uh, Miles. Yeah. Um, yeah. I knew these guys. They, you guys were practicing a routine right? And, and I was like, what is this? And then all of a sudden, uh, the next day was, uh, the crew showcase. Ah, with the mayor. Yeah. Right before, um, uh, the individual battle, the one-on-ones. Right. That rocks right one. That rocks right one. And dude, when I saw you actually, it, it, anyone can go right now to YouTube and look up R16, B-Boy Wicket, um, a crew showcase uh, and look up my name. I filmed a video of you. That's you right. Yeah, you did. Dude, when I saw you step out there, every single one of you guys actually, but when I saw you step out and the crowd went crazy and the cameras panned in towards you and you were dancing, looking at the crowd, dude, I, I'm getting goosebumps right now. So am I. Was that really me? <laughs> that was insane. But when yeah. I saw that, I was like, Oh shit! What I thought was breakdancing is not. You saw uh, just a, a little f- percentage of what it was, and it's actually, you know, that's that's what it's like in the beginning. That's what I thought it was in the beginning for me as well. I thought it was just uh, West Coast uh, breakdancers had just um shifted to power moves and the east coast was more style but that was just my young uh thought process of the whole thing so yeah incredible and when i saw you dancing that's when i i tried to explain it to you i felt like i saw fire on that stage you did see fire my friend incredible (laughs) dude incredible It it changed my life forever i couldn't sleep for nights oh wow and i remember after that I flew to Singapore to see my sister. You did. And that's where I created Naka B-Boy Edition. No way, really. Do you remember? I re- and I remember. then 
we came back and then we we decided to do the down, down and dirty and event. Dirty. Yeah. Yes. So we created an event together. You changed everything for me. You laid the foundation of everything that I do today when it comes to uh, understanding the philosophy of freestyle and teaching what I teach. So you're with me all the time. And that trip was the trip of my life. Wow. I did that for you. I did that for you. Yeah, do dude. you guys hear that? The world. Do you guys hear that? I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Give him credit, Devin. No, you know what? You you just, uh, you were already uh, had the thought process of a B-boy because you seen it early and you just, um, now you, you see the whole picture and you just apply that to your world. And, you know, like I told you, you're a B-boy just because of, you know, your movement is, is how, this is what we tried to do. We tried to be like gymnasts. So, and you already had that mentality and, um, when, once you were invited to that world, it just connected. It's like, hey, this is, this is you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I, I still, I still feel embarrassed uh, trying I mean, to do stuff. Get out of here. Your form is Carl is just being, he's just being super like big headed right now. I was gonna say humble, but you know, is. Those words are parallel, right? Yeah, they can't, they're, they're opposites. Uh, <laughs> no, but Carl has one of the illest forms of footwork. I mean, um, I tell you every time I see you know the clips that when you post your six step and anything footwork is just the form is is perfect. And a lot of people that I teach still to this day have issues trying to figure out why uh, why they don't look a certain way. That's so, crazy. Well, I yeah. appreciate that. Sometimes when, when you talk to me and you compliment me, it's kind of like my mom complimenting me. I can't do anything <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I just feel like you're like my mom. Oh, oh my wicked. Gosh, Thank you. Dude. Um, I love you too. Uh, anyways. What's your name again? Yeah. Uh, so when, when did you, um, uh, bust out into the scene, uh, of break dancing where, uh, you went from being, Gabriel Jao Chico. Yeah. To being B-Boy Wicked. Um, I was a freshman. Um, just got into high school. And, of course, during that time in the early 90s, um, you just wanted to be like the cool kids, you know. And the older uh, friends that I had were, they were into the hip-hop scene heavily. You know, they were dancing or they were DJing or they were rapping or they were doing graffiti. It was just all hip hop. And and during that time, the early 90s was it was the golden the beginning of the golden era of the hip hop um, culture. Uh, so I was just lucky enough to have some friends who had older brothers that were heavily into the scene. And I would just tag along with them to their uh parties or they would call them showcases and uh if it wasn't the showcases um i would watch we would watch the videos uh because you know i was young i couldn't go you know it was i had to be home by like 6 p.m you were <laughs> what were you 16 i was like yeah like 15 15, 15 something That's like crazy. that crazy so it, it was all about just watching the videos or trying to tag along with the crew to to see the real shit go down and what were you seeing at the time that you felt was cool? What was it that you were looking at and being like, man, I want to do that? What it, was that? It was just um, the whole atmosphere was crazy. It, it was just very energetic. Uh, if you were a dancer, if you did any type of 
spinning along with some house dancing and uh, to hip hop music. It was just, uh, it was just magnetic. I mean, it was just something that you just wanted to be a part of. You know, you wanted to be uh, recognized as, oh, he's rolling with this crew or he's rolling with, you know, that's his, those are his. It was just all about, you know, who are you with and, you know, being in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And um, everything was just brand new to me that I was just like, yo, what is this? You know, I haven't seen it. I've seen uh, B-Boy before that was just like on TV, like Beach Street or something like that. And to see it in person, live, like the way it should be done, was just like, yo, this is this is it. This is what I want to do. Incredible. Do you yeah. remember a moment or, 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 yeah, was there a moment where uh, you did something or there was a night or something where after that night you had changed, that, that evolved you, that kind of set you at a new new level? I knew that after going to these events and watching videos, uh, practicing on my own at home, aside from with my friends, um, I, I was trying to learn how to do flares, and I would kick, I would kick the floor like my feet would kick the floor like boom, 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 boom. So for those listening, a flare is kind of if you've ever watched the Olympics, yeah. it's uh, what the men do on the pommel horse, mm-hmm. where they spin around but with their their legs in a split. Right. So mm-hmm. I was trying to do that on the floor, and I wasn't getting high enough, but I was able to get my legs at least in the air. <laughs> get my legs in the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with yeah. his legs in the yeah. air. So what's I know the, what you mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so once I figured that out, I was so excited to, I'm in tears, hold on. Uh, I was so excited to show my friends that, look, I could sort of do what your brothers were doing or, you know, so I showed them at practice and once, uh, my friends were like, oh, once you heard that, oh, you know, you, you're doing something right. You know, what's so interesting is that when, when you say that this is so important for people listening, it's kind of like in gymnastics, there is no, Oh, or anything like that. The judges write down a score and whatever your score says, that means you're doing well or not. And when I got into action sports, you could break form meaning you could break the technique. Mm -hmm. And if you landed a cool trick, for example, I remember it was my friend's birthday and I did my first 540. So uh, one and a half spin on my, on my snowboard. And I was like, I'm going to land this 540. I'm going to land fakie, which is, you know, riding backwards, that kind of thing. And I remember landing this thing and everyone went crazy. And then I saw um, a picture of it and my form was clearly terrible. Okay, terrible. Mm-hmm. But they were super excited. And I knew at that moment that in my snowboarding abilities, I had leveled up. So in breaking, it's the same thing. It's like same when thing. the crowd goes crazy, yep. you're going in the right direction. You're going in the right direction because uh, it's not really all about form it, when it comes to street style or, or freestyle, you would say. Um, I mean, in the beginning, we did try to have perfect form like the gymnast, you know, because that I wanted to be a gymnast, and my parents didn't uh, they didn't want want to put me in any programs for some reason. But um, so we were trying to have perfect form, but being in the moment and not worrying about what your form looked like, but just because you did it with the right music in the background and you know the right atmosphere was magical. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. What, what was this crowd like? Where, where did they come from? Yeah. Like where, where did you grow up? What was that like growing up for you? Uh, I grew up here in San Francisco and um, it was very, uh, very urban, urban background. You know, I, I went to school in the hood. So friends from the hood, they always knew where the dope parties were and just, you know, what to wear as far as outfits and what music to listen to. So I, I felt lucky because I, I was always in the know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so going to these parties, you would see uh, old school B-boys from, you know, the pioneers from the 80s and and um, their younger brothers or, or friends and uh, the the generation after that that knew about the pioneers. They, you know, we would all be at this these showcases. And so there would be groups performing sort of like R16. Uh, but there wasn't. Uh, it, it was like a showcase. It, it, it was performances, and then um, there were more. It wasn't crew battles. It was more like one on ones. Interesting. Yeah. And when you say the hood, was it was it scary back then? Um, were you ever scared? I wasn't. I wasn't scared. I was just more uh, intimate. Yeah, it was. I, I was more scared about doing the work at school. <laughs> So school, <laughs> you, you just didn't like doing the work at school. I mean, okay. it was fun until I started breaking, because then everything was just like I didn't give a shit about. So school else. was fun until you started breaking. Yeah. What happened when you started breaking? It just turned into my passion, you know, because I understood that once I learned how to do a move, um, and then master this move, uh, I felt like that was this is my life right here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't care about this math problem. Yeah, so there's something that's, when I look at you, what I see that is different and that I feel very attracted to is that you are someone who found your passion mm-hmm. and you didn't let school or society or your family's thinking dictate what was next. What does dictate mean? Dictate means that it told you basically what to do. Yeah, definitely. It didn't influence you. You <laughs> you went for what you were passionate about and you stuck with it. And that was at the age of what, 14, 15, 16? Yeah, 14. It started at 14 uh, and then it went downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, so when you say downhill, you basically say that yeah. you, you didn't graduate from high school. No, I did. I didn't, you dropped I out. I dropped out as a junior, I believe, because I got held back. So being held back as a junior and then seeing your classmates uh, as seniors the following year is just totally like, you know what, this is this is whack. But on the other hand, I'm like excelling and breaking. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of a lot of uh, geniuses get held back. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Because school mm. is a cookie cutter, not made for everyone. It's a one size fits all. Aha, cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. So you, you <laughs> so you, you you drop out of high school. I dropped out. Which uh, must yeah. was was that hard? Where where was your family kind of on your on your case for that? On my case, that was like the worst thing that I could ever do, especially coming from a Filipino background. So you come from a Filipino background. Yeah, you had pretty humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. Grew up in the hood. I didn't. Well, I didn't grow up in the hood. I just went to school in the hood. You went to school in the hood. Yeah, yeah you were kind of like in the outskirts of the hood. You, I was in. Yeah, I wasn't even. I was not even near the hood. Mm-hmm. But you went to school <laughs> in the hood. But for some reason, my school district sent me to the hood. Mm-hmm. So, um, shout out to the leg. 
My homie's in the view, Lake View, Broad Street. Dude, <laughs> I get scared just walking around there. I, guess, I feel I don't belong. Dude, I'm scared in here. I'm scared right now. <laughs> as, you, as you have a blanket wrapped around your shoulders. You're drinking this coffee. And you're drinking this warm-ass <laughs> coffee in my living room. Exactly. Oh, man, you drive me crazy. Um, That's funny. So, uh, how did you deal with that? How did you deal with you deciding to... Uh, drop out of school and them being on your case uh i just at the time i just was very selfish and didn't care what my family thought or anybody i just knew that i was going to get these moves master all these moves and combinations all i could think about in school was putting moves together like combinating a windmill to the flare to a 90 back to flare back to it was just uh, an issue it was it was a really bad issue you that know, you had that i had in school i couldn't think straight i think it was a gift <laughs> looking back yeah. i see it as a gift uh, yeah. well, why do you say it's an issue because uh, i i wasn't i was in school but i wasn't in school you know i wasn't anything that we would study or whatever assignments it was just i didn't give a shit Mm-hmm. I would I would act like I'm doing the exi- the assignment by writing, but in every every period every uh, every class it, those that writing would be combinations, so pages and pages of combinations. Yeah, so if you if you watch like Eight Mile with Eminem, where he's like typing, uh, yes. where he's writing in his little, he's scribbling all these lyrics exactly. uh, in the bus. That was kind of you. That was in me class writing down them bars. Insane though. Yeah. And, at that time, as you're obsessed about solving these problems, which is like getting these new combinations and movements and, mm-hmm. and developing yourself as a b-boy, uh, there was no fame. There was no money, really. There was no uh, big scene that right. you were kind of really trending towards. It's not like, okay, well, I climbed the ladder this way and this is how you do it. You just cared about the movements. We just—I mean, where the there was a scene, it wasn't as huge as as it is now. But it was happening kind of like in house parties. But it was happening in house parties in the beginning, and then it shifted towards uh, the recreation centers, the gyms, to to uh, big halls, and so uh, groups from LA would come up, and Crazy Legs would be one of like a special guest, and. Uh, there was this one big party called the Raffles Party, which was across the street from Civic Center. And it was in a little nightclub called the Raffles. Uh, and um, it was uh, a huge um, staple for um, our culture because all these, all of our idols were there. And this happened to be on a school night, so I couldn't go. So you had Crazy Legs there, you had Easy Rock there, you had Lil Caesar, you had the Knuckleneck Tribe, you had um, original Renegade Rocker members there. So people that had laid out the foundation for what was the culture yes. of breaking were there, and, and you didn't go. And I did not go. I was so mad. Hmm. But the video, that video, we were, uh, my friend Roy... My friend Roy David, his older brother is Gizmo, who is the uh, old school, he's a renegade rocker original. And so the night after, uh, Roy shows me the video and I'm like, oh shit, I'm dropping out of school for sure. 
That's crazy. So you, <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. So is that what led you to drop out of school? Uh, that, that was a huge part of it. Yeah. What did you see in that? Were you like, man, I'm going to go there. Were those people making money? Were those people doing, uh, were they making a living off of dancing or were they working at 7-Eleven? I don't know what they were. It, it didn't matter to me at the time. I mean, money was just like, well, who needs money? <laughs> I just want these moves that they got. Right. That's all that mattered because, you know, they, they there was a cypher all night and people watching and you're watching the real guys perform here. And so this is like how it should be done. And it was just like, uh, you know, a, a big it was a big deal for us. For the Bay Area, that's incredible. Yeah, man, you you lived through that. That that's incredible. And then, if you fast forward a little bit, you you now you start battling and you started uh, you started getting your name out there. Mm -hmm. People started recognizing you in the scene. Was there a moment you went from being just a passionate b boy who had a name to a professional b boy? Say it again. I'm sorry. I was yeah. looking at the candle burn. <laughs> <laughs> We're just having a romantic conversation. What was that, Carl? What, what were we talking oh about gosh, again? I'm sorry. Uh, was there a moment? Oh, okay. This is why you didn't make it in school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did like band and gym, though. I did great in band, and I did fucking excellent in gym. A plus. Yeah. Oh, man. You're amazing. So, was there a moment where you went from being passionate uh, about breaking had a little bit of a name, but you went from being an amateur to a pro. Do you, is there is there a moment? Yeah, there was. Uh, in 1997, I got uh, a job offer to perform in a new hotel in Las Vegas called the New York, New York Hotel and Casino. Um, and the cast uh, I would join would be with members like Mr. Wiggles, Pop and Pete, Skeeter Rabbit, Rest in Peace, Mr. Freeze, Flowmaster, remind Honey Rockwell. I mean, I was in there with the elite. So mm-hmm. once they asked me to do that, uh, that was just a an offer I could not turn down. Mm-hmm. And know? that was like a paid gig. And that was a paid gig. It was it was for a thousand bucks a week, which was crazy, stupid, crazy for being seventeen, eighteen. And, you know, dropping out of high school. So I was like, damn, I dropped out of high school. My family is pissed at me, but I'm still like uh, getting all these, these, these uh, cookie points with breaking. I'm like, you know, I'm getting better. I'm getting popular. I'm getting offers. I'm, it's just, it's getting worse. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is getting worse. What were, what was your family, when, when you told your family, that you were making a thousand dollars per week, yeah, which was maybe more than some of your family members were making yeah. at the time. Yeah, what did they say? They like, just, what was their reaction? They didn't believe me. They didn't. They're just like, how? How? I mean, why? You know, how and why? And why would you? Who are these people? You know, everything was, um, wasn't secretive. But I just wasn't outspoken about what I was doing or who I was hanging with and, and the people I was around. I was very selfish about everything. Everything was just breaking. 
that's it me and breaking and just you know so uh, i kind of left them my family in the dark you know in terms of what's going on in my life and how were you making decisions you were under 18 you're you're a minor still how were you signing yeah. these contracts how did that go down oh uh, well i'm because these are grown-ass adults yeah. giving you these uh contracts yeah yeah exactly so uh i'm i'm close with my mom and she uh she took a lot of heat because um my grandmother was uh very just like militant and just very like no 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 everything you know you were close. living with your grandma at the time i was living yeah with my grandmother at the time and um did your grandma raise you she did yeah i mean we have a big family, you know, we, we all stay together, big house. And, um, my parents lived in the East Bay and I didn't want to move to the East Bay because I, you know, then I would lose my friends. And so I would just stay with my grandparents over there on uh, Cayuga. And, you know, that, that's, uh, I believe if, if I moved to the East Bay, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, so, so your mom, uh, your mom was supporting you in these. Yeah, she supported me, and she just, you know, firstborn, you know. So I'm like, they they let me. That was a double edged sword, sword, though. Being firstborn, I have two younger brothers that are looking up to me. So, I guess from their perspective, they're like, "Well, you got to set the example. You can't drop out." You know, and so that was tough for them to take. For your parents? For yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, they supported me, and uh, she helped you negotiate these contracts, or she just helped you sign these contracts, just, or, or just gave you permission. She just gave me permission. Wow. Yeah. Okay. She, yeah. That's incredible. And then when you were there, you struggled though to uh, keep up with choreography. Oh and my stuff. gosh. Tell what? me about that. How did you, what happened there? Because when you came back from Vegas and mm -hmm. from that show, you went from being one style or one type of b-boy to another. Yeah. Tell me about that transition. What what happened there? Yeah, so I was hired to be uh, a uh, one of the guys that will just be dynamic in the show with my power moves. You know, so all the acrobatic, stuff. all the ac acrobatic stuff that I was coming up with in school, writing down these combinations. That's what I was hired to do. And I didn't realize that that was that wasn't it. I still I had to fit into the show, you know, so I had to learn these routines that were based on footwork, top rock and freezes and character. And at the time, my uh, my whole style was just power. No character, no stage presence, nothing. That was my first time. Damn, that was my first time ever performing like on stage. <laughs> so yeah, th something changed because you're extremely animated in your face now. No, yeah. yeah but so it se it seems like back then you were just kind of like, okay, get on the floor, do the thing, and get up out of there. Yeah, yeah. And maybe like put your arms out or cross them or something. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it wasn't even it was. I was terrified because once I realized I had to learn these routines to moves that I don't do, like foundational moves, like footwork, top rock, uh, routines. I mean, I, we did routines when I was coming up, you know, but it wasn't, the, I mean, the Manhattan show just took it to another level. 
it just kicked it up like three levels and i'm like whoa when you were in vegas yeah so uh they had to Flowmaster. he's the one who gave me the call uh, real quick the, a quick story before um madhattan was uh joining this this cast they're like at the time they were like the uh arch rivals for a lot of the west coast um crews because um there was a huge thing between power moves and style was this kind of what was happening in the hip-hop scene like uh west coast east coast kind of a rivalry yeah but within the branch of breaking yeah interesting yeah so So you were joining forces with your rivals so i yeah how did people take that they hated it i mean if it was like Oh, Wicked joined the dark side. So, how, okay, this is interesting. You were 17 or so at the time? Yeah, yeah. How, as a 17-year-old, are you able to shut out the, 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 the noise and the voices of your peers yeah. who have basically brought you up in many ways exactly. to go out and do this thing? How do you shut that down? Do you Man, remember? Uh, you just... I f- yeah, I remember this was just a huge moment for me that... I just had to grow up and make a huge, you know, make the right decision. What's the right decision? Uh, to keep growing because I felt like at this time there was nothing else that I could do with power moves at the time. You know, I felt like I re- reached the threshold and um, to get this opportunity, even though it's with a rival crew, um, I felt like it was the right thing to do and just take the heat. You know, because otherwise I would have just kept doing the same moves, staying in the bay and just same thing every day, you know, and probably get bored and do something else. So I felt like this is the right opportunity. And what if I never get this chance ever again? And, you know, especially moving to Las Vegas. I mean, I was terrified, but it just felt like the right thing to do. It's amazing yeah. because most people... I think the majority of people would have um, kind of said, no, I'm going to stay here with my crew. I'm going to be loyal to my people. Uh, It's not really safe. I'm too young. Yeah. I don't really know how to do that. And then all of a sudden their their career would have ended there. Right. But you chose different. Uh, Yeah. I I was just, like I said, I was just very, it was a young emotional move, but I, it just felt right. I mean, I didn't even know these guys. I knew of them. I knew who they were, but I didn't know them personally. So, you know, when I first got onto the plane to go to New York to rehearse, I was te- I was like in tears when I got dropped off. I was like, oh shit, I'm really going to New York to rehearse with these guys? And I barely knew Flo. Wow. And now you guys are tight 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 and uh, yeah we're like he's he's my sensei you mm-hmm. know he taught me everything from foundation i mean he was the guy that was like okay wicked we gotta we gotta get this together or else you're gonna lose a job <laughs> Dude, i can actually hear him saying that <laughs> wicked we you need to get this shit right <laughs> we both gonna get fired <laughs> was he the one that called you he's the one that called me and so it's amazing. I he, love that. So stuff. when he called me, uh we had we had just battled these guys actually like a few months before. And so 
it was uh, it was weird to get a phone call from him because I'm like, what the hell is Flo calling me? I, f- I thought it was like a joke or something. See, that's something about Flo yeah. that's interesting. He clearly is able to see past um, the moment. Like he is someone that, and I mean, I haven't even met him uh, in person, but just hearing you, following him on Instagram, he's totally crazy and out there. Yeah. And he's, he's an explorer of life. He's someone who's able to see past the lines that are drawn in the sand. Mm -hmm. And he could see, okay, I'm competing against this kid, but this kid is someone who, for the culture, for the community, is a great. Yeah, he. uh, I owe a lot to him because he saw something in me that changed my life. I mean, if it wasn't for that phone call, man, I'd be a hot mess and just bitter. Mm-hmm. And and that led to that led to eventually you uh, getting gigs uh, in the Hollywood scene and yeah again flow that was my gate movies. to Hollywood was through him because he was already living in L A and uh, getting booked for uh, all types of shows with Christina Aguilera I mean everybody you name it Will Smith Usher I mean he was the reason why I got a lot of work so mm-hmm. I, and he's close yeah. with Usher right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those guys are like best friends. Mm-hmm. And you've, uh, have you performed on stage with Usher or who? Yeah, I did a couple times actually in Australia. We just happened to be out there uh, for an event and, and um, the, the OMG tour, Usher's tour was out there and Flo was on the tour. So um, told me to come to the show, come check it out. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm gonna come through. So knowing Flo... Um, he might try to pull some crazy shit. So just in case I brought my spin cap. That's when you did the <laughs> the head spin solo? Yeah, that's when I did the head spin solo. And um, it was late in the show. So I, I figured, okay, well, I guess I'm not, I guess there's no surprises. He's not going to try to pull me on stage. So I started drinking with friends. and No way. Yeah, so we started having, we were just having a good time, you know. Well, I started having a good time because in the beginning, <laughs> I was just nervous. I didn't know when, like, he was going to come out of anywhere and just be like, Wicked, come on. So that didn't happen in the first, like, hour and 15 minutes or whatever. So I'm like, oh, we're good. Nothing's going to, you know, we just enjoy the show. So my friends are like, here, have a drink. Here, have another. And the next thing you know, some beautiful lady comes out hey, hey, Wicked, come on, come on. I'm like, what the f-? I'm already drunk, like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, so, so you, she, oh my God. So she, so she says, come on, come on, come on. She's just saying, come on. I'm like, what, what? I'm hoping my drink is spilling all over the place. And and then she goes, Flo is looking for you. He wants you. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> and you were pulled out on stage. <laughs> yeah. He, in front of a crowd that was massive. For like, 40,000 people. Incredible. In Australia. And uh, not knowing what the, the surface of the stage is and not knowing when to come in, it was just all a blur, like a fast, like a Guy Ritchie film. That's <laughs> insane. Anyway, so that, that yeah. must have been a fun moment. And you have other stories like that for sure. Yeah. So you, basically you were doing really well. I was doing really good. Um, just uh, Manhattan pretty much put me even more on the map. Um, and it, it just shined a, a bright light on who I am and what I could do. And also because of the people I was with, Mr. Wiggles, and I was just rolling with, you know, the top dogs. And um, 
to see that I was the new kid, you know, I guess people found it interesting and wanted to involve me in their events. So, yeah, this is something about um, surrounding yourself by people that uh, are performing at a higher level than you will yeah. elevate you. I think they say something like you're the average of the five people you surround yourself by. Ah, yeah. So when it comes to money, mindset, performance, uh, you were surrounded by these amazing performers. So yes. your game elevated. How did your style change? Because this is something for me that's very yeah. interesting. You went from being a powerhead that you guys mm-hmm. call it to yeah. now being, uh, you know, someone who does footwork and dances. What What was the style change? This, um, How would you describe that? Well, so once I got to Vegas uh, or New York, actually, I realized like, whoa, I did four years of all this power and now I got to completely change my routine and learn how to break properly. So I had to learn how to do footwork and proper foundation, proper form, uh, being on beat, listening to the music, not just hearing it. Because as a powerhead, I would just hear it and even the little top rocks I, top rocks I did do wasn't even on beat. You know, so it was just... Uh, can you explain what being on beat means? Um, like, is there? Can you give me a, an example of that? Being on beat, like, wow, that's hard to explain. It is. Being on beat is like... Uh, clap on two? Uh, clap on two, always. <laughs> if you clap on one, I'm leaving right can now. Can you explain what that means? What does it mean to clap on two? So clapping on two is... Uh, so when the, there's a... Oh my gosh, my band teacher's going to kill me. So let's say a beat goes boots, cats, boots, cats, boots. So that boom, that kick is the one, one, two, one, two, or one, two, three, four. It's always on the even. Mm-hmm. So, so two, one, four, six. Yeah. So so the one is the kick. So one clap, one clap. So you would try to do, you you would need to do moves. Uh, to that to a rhythm mm-hmm. and and the two is kind of like that backbeat that you call it is that what it is it's like the yeah you call it the backbeat or, or just um the downbeat mm-hmm. yeah cat, cat. so you you i don't know man shit fuck it <laughs> <laughs> just dance just dance but that, i think that's important because people don't maybe don't they don't know about these technical aspects of dancing yeah because when they see breakers uh b-boys or b-girls dancing they're seeing those who are on beat like kid david oh yeah. when it comes to musicality is just insane yeah he's it's not fair when you see somebody like him dance because it's so natural oh he's incredible it's just effortless and he's so uh, he's very long like he's got long long arms long legs and he's just uh, uh very it just looks magical when you see somebody like him dance because he turns into the music he is yeah he is an extension of the music which is so incredible and i think mm-hmm. people notice this if they they're watching a video yep. and they see someone dancing and they're musically uh expressing themselves physically yes you see something that's special it's f- right before your eyes it's so fucking real that you have to understand um <laughs> You just got to take it in and just be in a moment and not even, sometimes he's not even really breaking too much. I mean, he's just, uh, just the movement he does is enough to f- capture that feeling 
you know, he just turns it into the music. As soon he as he taps in, it's like, oh, it, nothing else matters. It's incredible. Yeah. I had a coach when I went to my first uh, national uh, championships uh, chip in uh, gymnastics in Spain. When we entered the, we had a, a podium training, which is kind of like the day before competition. You go in and you train, and it's just chaos. Podium training, yeah. Uh, and anyways, you you go in there and you you get to train on the equipment that you're going to compete on. Ah, okay, right. So that's kind of why it's called that. Uh, you you walk in, and I remember I was freaking out. And my coach, he he told me he said, "Look for the music." And I was like, what, do, what does he mean? Look for the music. Yeah. Look for the person who looks like music. Ah. And I remember seeing this one guy, uh, Manuel Carvalho back then. And I was like, that guy. Well, that guy happened to become the best gymnast in Spain for a long time. And now we're, we're friends and all this really? stuff. Yeah, it, but it's incredible. But I remember looking at him on the P-bars performing. And I thought, man, that's the music amongst the chaos. Uh, Everyone was clapping on one except for him. He was clapping on two. Ah, uh, <laughs> so he knew. Yeah, he knew. It was incredible. Wow. Insane. Anyways, uh, just listening to you, that's what I'm, I'm hearing. And that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something about musicality, which is this natural ability that you have, but that yeah. does have a technical aspect to it. Like yeah. there's technique to it. There is. There definitely is, and it brings the moves to life. Like it brings it. It's not robotic. A lot of a lot of b boys tend to be robotic. I mean, they have amazing moves, and um, sometimes these moves just look too robotic. And there's no feeling. It's like, oh, okay, it's that's cool. It's fucking amazing. But once you see that compared to Kid David or somebody like Kid David, it's just, there's, yeah, I'm going to go with Kid David. <laughs> right, yeah, Kid David's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's he's yeah. a cool dude. I, I, I admire him very much. I never liked him. Uh, <laughs> so um, you're doing your thing. You're doing great. And then uh, you you moved away from San Francisco, and now you're based in Austin. Yeah, yeah. Why did you move to Austin? I moved to Austin because uh, I met somebody um, who is actually uh, a, my partner. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Is that something that um, is easy to deal with in the in the hip hop scene? Definitely not. I mean, anything, uh, I mean, hip hop is so, uh, it's a macho thing. Mm-hmm. You know, everything, I'm better than this, I'm better than you, I'm I'm this, I'm that. You know, I'm the bigger man, I'm, you know. So, to have, uh, like in my situation where um, I'm a, a b-boy who is competing in this world and to know that uh, I have a partner. And uh, so, yeah, that it's just, it was just tough to, to camouflage because I didn't want people to use that against me in battle. Uh, Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of that in battle where it's kind of like, and throw um, your cock out. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a thing. It's kind of like, th- I'm going to give you the dick. Yeah, even the girls do it. That, which is crazy. Yeah, so it's just part of the game. And But um, at the time, you know, being a competitor at the time, I was just terrified. I didn't want people to find out. Um, 
and it's just uh yeah it was just tough to deal with not as much as now because i'm older now and i don't you know I, I like being me so i'm okay with it mm-hmm. you know when uh I, i i went to uh the renegade 30th anniversary yeah and uh, i was there with my sister christina yeah christina what's up christina yeah and we were up in the mezzanine kind of mm-hmm. looking down and you were doing your thing you were running the show and i remember you came by and you grabbed me on the shoulder you hugged me you said i'm so glad you're here by the way meet my boyfriend yeah and i was like <laughs> and that's how you came out to me oh i didn't tell you before that no oh And uh, we met him, and we, we hung out that whole event. Oh, okay. Do you remember this? Uh, well, you were doing your thing. Not really, no. I mean, it's, it's just everything just was so fast that day for me. Well, you, I just admire you so much. Oh, thank you. What's your name again? Um, <laughs> I, I admire you so much for that. And I remember talking to my sister Mm-hmm. Uh, in the car uh, driving back I was like man that must have been really hard for him to do but I'm so honored that he would share that with me I think it was just the right time because um, during that time not not too many people knew um, I think just because you were there and I knew who you are and I you know I trusted you and you're a genuine fella and you're my most of all you're my manager shit so <laughs> <laughs> no but it was just the right time and you know with me running around trying to put fires out through the event you just happened to be there and ronnie was next to me so i thought it was a good time to introduce you that's amazing yeah so just well, yeah. I, i appreciate that and yeah. i i was so inspired by that moment and i think about it to this day Mm. And I and I I think, you know, just knowing what the hip hop scene is like and how people talk about yeah. um, same sex relationships and yeah. what that means and how uh, the word gay is uh, thrown around yep. in that scene. Tough. It's tough. I I can only <sighs> imagine. I can only imagine. And I just feel, um, yeah, I just admire you that much more for everything that you do oh. now. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, and it's amazing. So, so you're out in Austin and you're doing your thing now, and mm-hmm. uh, now you're teaching. I'm teaching a lot more. Um, it's crazy because I used to hate teaching. I just hated it because uh, it's because I was selfish. I didn't want to. It was cutting into my practice time, and you know, teaching then was a job to me. It wasn't. It wasn't fun. Um, I think it was also because I didn't know how to teach. I was just thrown into teaching with... Um, so I would get invited to judge events, right? And then either the day before or after the event, uh, I would have to teach a workshop. It's like a one-thing package deal where you judge and you teach. So I always dreaded the teaching because I, it was just... I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't get it. I didn't know how to teach people. Even though I knew how to do all these moves, I didn't know how to teach it to somebody. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of a culture that's, uh, it used to be very protective where it was yes. like, oh man, don't show these people these moves. Yeah. These tape, these tapes are secret. That's exactly, yeah. That's one of the elements why I hated teaching. It's like, oh, I got to teach them my shit. 
Yeah, you didn't want to give that away, but no. now you're on Instagram giving it yeah. away. You you share it, but you you still get a little bit of a heat for that. Um, yeah, I get a lot of heat. You know, I, a lot of the uh, I'm not gonna say who, but a lot of people um, message me and say, "Hey, you're you're giving all this stuff away for free. What, what are you doing? This is you know, you're you're ruining it. You know, for everybody else who's trying to make a living and." Yeah, I don't but, see it that way, you know. I'm uh, now now I have uh, a better understanding of how to teach and how to engage for workshops, and I've been doing it so long. I just you know early on I didn't know. I just got thrown into the fire. So by watching Wiggles teach, by watching Flo teach or Pop and Pete, um, it just showed me how to uh, to orchestrate as a as a workshop teacher. Yeah. So you're developing your craft as a teacher, which is awesome. You're also judging events, Mm -hmm. uh, which is awesome. And when it comes to teaching stuff for free, like you do on social, for example, on social media. Yeah. uh, I think what people don't realize, especially uh, in certain scenes, is that uh, the, the time that we live in right now, everything is open. It's open source. It's like uh, everything goes and you need to show everything and that will allow you to level up. And what people will pay for is for the experience or the access. Or the access. I mean, you just got flown out first class to Austria uh, to work with Red Bull. How was that? Oh, man, it was amazing. Uh, It was quick. It went by really quick. Shout out to my man Jay from Leisure Team and JP. They, uh, They reached out, and it was after Red Bull BC1. In Switzerland, Jay reached out to me and said, hey, uh, are you free to do a tutorial for Red Bull Dance Connect? I was like, what? Yeah. So, you know, it it just worked out. It just right timing. And I had uh, prepared myself, but not even knowing that I was going to do this tutorial by doing my little tutorials from home. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, you know, put me on game, luckily. Yeah, that's and, incredible. Um, so yeah, we shot all day from like 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., which is crazy because now that I think of it, like, damn, how did my body hold up that whole day? I'm teaching basic uh, basic foundation to like a beginner, so to speak. Uh, there's all different levels. So, they, you know, I, I was fit for the basic fundamental, which is fine, you know. And But the, the hard part was... Uh, uh, doing the same thing over and over to get different angles, different speeds, different uh, um, explanations of these moves while I'm dancing. So that was the tough part. But um, once we got like a couple of the tutorials under the belt, it was it was pretty much um, pretty much fun from there because then we had. You know, we're joking around. I'm getting dizzy doing these Zulu spins and still trying to explain the move. And Sick. And the camera just kept rolling. So That's just, amazing. Yeah. So uh, I think it, for people listening, mm-hmm. I, I think they should pause this episode really quickly. Pause. Yeah, pause. Pull up your phone and, and look up at B-Boy Wicket and realize what it looks like to mm-hmm. move like a 40-year-old. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> If you are setting the golden standard for what 40s look like, mm-hmm. I'm excited for what is to come for me in two, three years. Hey, hey, yeah. I mean, 40 is like the new, it's like the new 40. Mm-hmm. It's not like the new 30 or the 20. It's the new 40 where you just 
I feel great. You look great. You know, I mean, it's, oh, man, appreciate you. I'm, you. I'm inspired. Yeah. I, it, it's incredible. Every time I see you moving, I'm like, man, this guy is yeah. out of control right now. Yeah. I owe a lot of uh, credit to uh, a friend of mine who's also a uh, coach who's coaching me for the last B-boy do that several months. Yeah. Do that. What's up? Do that. He, uh, he basically just took me out of my, well, he's always offered his services to practice, you know, and to just come through and practice. Um, but, it, it took I don't know a good year to for me to want it. Like I knew he was there and he was he's been calling and this was a time where I was just uh, basically my focus was on music and judging and I wasn't too active. I wasn't dancing much. I wasn't practicing. So, uh, um, I think what happened was I got. This is what happened. So I got an offer to battle this girl. Um, oh my gosh, she's gonna kill me. Fuck, what's her name? Oh my gosh, you got offered to battle someone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, oh, this you, is this is not good. It'll come back. It'll come back. Yeah. Um, what? So you got offered to battle. I got offered to battle. Oh, she's gonna now. She's gonna want to really battle me again. We're gonna figure it out. So. Um, uh just skills um hit me up she she's the organizer for uh cypher addicts and um oh my gosh i have to can we don't worry don't worry just go just go on i just want to hear how okay what that what that lit in you so um she's gonna forgive you i know she's not okay so uh she uh, offered this battle and I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll battle this girl. Because um, we actually had a battle before when I was in Switzerland. We were judging uh, Battle of the Year. And during the judge showcase, she called me out. And I'm like, are you serious right now? I've been sitting down for several hours and you want to you wanna battle me in front of all these people with my cold-ass body? You know, so... It, it was it was pretty uh it was a good exchange and um I could kind of say that she, you know she shined over on me did she beat you yeah she did she won yeah so and you're like I'm down to battle I'm like uh yeah we'll get this girl but mind you I haven't been practicing for months or doing anything maybe I probably played basketball once mm-hmm. or twice you know out of a month so. I wasn't prepared, and um, uh, I got injured trying to prepare for this battle. I had a groin injury. So that even put me more behind and kind of just shook me in a way because the the event was coming up. So here comes the event. I'm still uh, injured, groin injury. Um, my knee starts to swell up on the plane. And I'm just panicking, like, what the heck is going on? And so Flo picks me up. And, of course, you know, Flo, he's crazy. He's got all kinds of gadgets. This is when he first got the Theragun or something like that. So he puts his Theragun on my knee. It's fucking loud. <laughs> Waking everybody up at 2 in the morning. And then, uh, so my knee's fine the next day. We go to the battle. And I just remember... I mean, we went like seven, eight rounds or something like that. And I just, my first round was my best round. 
And after that, it was just all fumes and just a hot mess. Downhill. Downhill. And just like, I tried to do an air flare and it crashed pretty bad and did like a barrel roll into a freeze. Oh my God. <laughs> it was pretty bad. So, uh, so after this experience, um, that's when I decided, I was like, you know what? This is, you know, enough's enough. Some man up here and just get on the ball. And so that's when I hit up Do That. And um, he pretty much just uh, um, put me back on my feet, you know, show me a lot of things that I never would practice, like hand hops or a rollback or doing stuff on my shoulder. I, I would just, you know, bypass all these moves because it didn't, it wasn't appealing to me before. But now uh, he's coaching me. I got to listen to what he says. So, uh, so by learning these moves, it just sparked another hunger for me to to get better so it was fun it became fun and um that's pretty much what got me back into shape and back into uh not battle mode but just more active just, you're, you're very active and how, yeah. how often do you train practice um how many hours a week do you put into this um i would let's see I say two days out of the week, I would really practice hard with um, the scene in Austin. And then um, the rest of the time, I would practice at home because uh, I was getting injured. I was doing too many. I was doing crazy things, you know, and just not really prepared for uh, the impact of these moves. Because I was trying to do young man moves, you know. <laughs> I got you know, still being forty. You got to be careful. <laughs> you got to keep, yeah. You got to keep it kind of light. Yeah, uh, but you wake up really early. Uh... Yeah, well, Ronnie wakes up at. He's got to be up at like six a.m. So we wake up together, which is fine because then I could start working on music, and uh, you know, throughout the day I'll take breaks and just work on movement like handstands or nineties or footwork or. And then that that would pretty much lead into doing a tutorial or a demo. Mm -hmm. So you're producing music, <laughs> you're moving yeah. in between uh, mm -hmm. uh, production, and then you're also uh, filming and shooting. Filming, shooting, res res taking emails, being a manager, managing myself, uh, flying my, you know, just doing everything. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I actually owe that all to you because you came to Austin. Uh, a few years ago and I was still a hot mess as far as you know b-boy wicked brand or whatever I was trying to do music break I was just you know my relationship was nothing was in balance so when you came to Austin and you uh, you stayed for the weekend and you had I gave you this big ass whiteboard um, that you wrote the was it you said b-boy wicked ink mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh you just you turned into like a professor and just pretty much mapped out my whole lifestyle and showed me how to balance it and so that's crazy uh so it took me a good couple years to understand how to apply all of that it was and a lot it was i mean i still have it it's like because we talked about money, business, relationships, managing yourself, where to focus. Yes. I mean, all that. And, and you just showed me how to balance it all and to uh, to see where I was then and where I'm at now. 
it's a huge, uh, huge difference. And, and I owe that to you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. You, you, you're incredible. Uh, and you've made such a, such a remarkable change and transition from, you know, being the athlete to now being uh, a leader in your community and, and mm-hmm. contributing to uh, more than just yourself. It's You're really providing for the community through these tutorials by judging, flying to events. And of course, you get flown out to these things, but you are a real ambassador and spokesperson. How does it feel to be a contributor to the future of the scene? It feels great. You know, I mean, of course, it comes with a lot of responsibility and, um, you know, you got to make mature decisions. And, you know, especially if you got a voice that people listen to, you have to be careful, you know. So I study, you know, I study athletes, pro athletes, because they get in trouble. <laughs> you you are a student of, of sport. You're, you're a student of sport. Yeah. It's incredible. So, you know... If you think about this, we, we talked about you finding your passion yep. as a kid and that not deterring you from going where you wanted to go and making these hard choices to eventually making your passion a profession and now uh, having a profession that is, is, is going well. Of course, you're, you're, you're hustling every day. This, this doesn't stop. You're working hard every day. Yep. You're flying out places. You're training. You're making music. You're, you're, divi- you're diversifying like... Uh, you have a lot of things going on, basically. And you're also contributing to the community. Uh, it's clear that uh, you have a vocation. Is is there a mission behind this whole thing? Is there is there something that you're really gunning for that you're really trying to accomplish? If so, what, what would that be? You know, I, I think about that all the time, and it changes. You know, sometimes it's just to keep learning for myself like to understand uh what i need and and then i think about it's not about what i need it's 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 about what my community needs or what my my you know the b-boy scene needs or uh, it's just about providing whether it's a platform of in terms of a podcast show or a maybe some music or I don't know I just at the end of the day I just try to uh, share my experience and my knowledge of the dance or whatever it is mm-hmm. you know I get I get messages every day from people I don't know all over the world you know asking me questions about how to how do uh, how do I um keep keep my footwork clean how do i stay in the scene how do i you know and i don't have all the answers but you know um with your help you know it's it's kind of like well what would carl think (laughs) oh man you're too much but (laughs) carl would say you know or no he wouldn't he wouldn't say that (laughs) so so it it sounds like you 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 want to be or you are actually you're someone who's is um is a reference. Yes. I'm a motherfucking reference. There you go. And I think <laughs> I think that's a good, good way to finish on that note. I I am a reference. Oh shit. Um that's awesome. If you if you if you had a chance to speak to the whole B-boy community one last time. What would you tell them 
to focus on? Focus on being yourself. Allow yourself to be yourself. Because um, this is uh, one of the questions I was asked about when I was in Austria. Um, we, we were doing an interview and uh, Amjad, um, the host, was saying, what would, what would you tell... Uh, what advice would you give to the 15-year-old B-Boy Wicked? And I was like, whoa, hold up. So I thought about it for a sec, and I was just thinking, um, just just to be myself, allow yourself to grow. And because I was so uh, fascinated with being, uh, or, or trying to be like Little Caesar, trying to be like Crazy Legs or whoever was popping. You know, so I didn't give myself room to uh, grow into my own. And I'm just now understanding how to do that at 40. So, you know, so I would tell the scene just to allow yourself to, I mean, get inspired, of course, but um, definitely don't try to do exactly what your idols do. You know, otherwise you're cutting yourself short. You know, you're not giving yourself uh, true originality skills. And, you know, that's that's, you know, definitely not the way you want to go. So I would say, yeah, just try to be yourself and be true to yourself. I love it. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much. This My has been pleasure. amazing. Have fun. Yeah. This was a great conversation. Dude, we talked about Ronnie. What? Yeah. He's going to be so happy. Boom. All right, my <laughs> friends. Uh, B-Boy Wicked, everyone. Go follow him. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, is it B-Boy? What is it? Soon. Soon. Yeah. Tutorials coming. That's right. Dude, I'm excited. Thanks, dude. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. Love you, dude. Love you, too. And thus concludes another episode of the Freestyle Way podcast, which I am personally loving, loving the process of creating this and sharing this with you guys. I feel like the conversations that I've had with my guests have been awesome, and I'm just excited for what is to come. I feel like uh, a new fire has been lit inside of me. I feel uh, like this is something that I am excited to continue to pursue. And I hope you guys can sense how excited I am and uh, how cool this is to be able to share a different side of uh, maybe the voice that I've had in the past as a teacher and coach and be able to continue to do that now, just leaning in just in a slightly different format. So uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. I'm loving it. And as we try to push this podcast forward, and I say we, not as the royal we, meaning just me, 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 but us, the community that we're building here of freestylers, uh, I encourage you to uh, share this podcast. You can take a screenshot if you're listening to it on your phone, and you can share that on Instagram. That is super helpful, and it goes a long way. The other thing that you guys can do to help make this happen is to subscribe on whatever platform you listen, uh, you can rate, and you can leave a review. Just be honest in your review. And if you do that, that would be super helpful. That is like rocket fuel for the podcast and to give the podcast exposure. So if you guys can do that, that would be amazing. Other than that, if you are on the Anchor app, 
The Anchor app allows you to send voice messages to whoever is broadcasting their show. So you can send me a voice message and I can listen to it. And I have a feeling that in future podcasts, there is an opportunity to potentially include some of your questions, some of your concerns, some of your thoughts. So let's see. Let's see what happens with that. If you send me a message, I'll be listening potentially responding uh, uh, as best as I can. And uh, it would be awesome to maybe feature you on the show. And I think that's one of the things that within the podcasting community, I really want to lean into, which is the community building process. And uh, I think that is what's going to really take us to the next level. So make sure you do that, guys. And thank you again for listening. I can't wait to come back with the next episode, episode four, with my friend Diane Fu. So stay tuned for next week.